every disease, every ache, every pain, Father, every bout of arthritis, Father, of blood disease, of muscle disease, Father. We thank you, Father. The name of Jesus. Every sickness bows to the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we have total and complete victory in and because of the name of Jesus. We choose to live that way, Father. We declare it to be so. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. And Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thanking you that you hear our prayers. You hear our petitions, Father. And you grant that which we ask of you. Thank you, Father, for the way that the name of Jesus has paved for us. We come boldly to the throne of grace. Father, we can obtain grace and mercy to help in time of need. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, if we have need of, of healing, we can come to the throne of grace to help in a timely manner, Father. In the time that we have need, Father, you said that you would help us by your grace. And Father, if necessary, you would help us by your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your healing power that lives in us, that's strong in us. Father, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Well, everything that we have is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. We're thankful that he has chosen to give us that name. Amen. And that it's the name of Jesus that uh, allows us to operate in the earth in the same manner that he operated when he was on the earth. He's assigned that name to us, to the church. We have no inherent authority in and of ourselves because we didn't do anything to obtain that authority. Uh, but he chose as an act of his will to grant us that authority, and so we appreciate that. Amen. Uh, and so we're thankful for what he's done for us. Uh, and so we're, of course, we're continuing Dr. Uh, T.J. McCrossan's book, uh, Bodily Healing in the Atonement. Amen. And... Um, is it God's will to heal? Yes. It is. Is it God's will to heal every time? Is there, ever an ex is there ever an exception when God desires not to heal uh, the people on the earth? No, there's never an exception to that rule, amen, where God desires to do that. And of course, uh, if we could put it in that term and keep it in the right doctrine, then uh, we can at least begin to understand where there might be hindrances in us receiving healing. It's never on God's side, and if there's ever a, a hindrance in healing, it's going to be somewhere on our side. And it could be to sin, due to sin, but it could be due to lack of, 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 of belief. It could be to, that you just don't know. Much of the church doesn't know that God's a healer. You know, if you attend church, uh, and you may go to a church that doesn't believe in healing, and they may never come out and say, well, God doesn't heal. They just may never teach on it. And if you go to church for five years, ten years to that church, and you never hear a single message on healing, how has your faith for healing been developed? Well, it hasn't been developed. It's still in its infancy stage. Uh, and so, so, of course, that's one reason why we, um, we teach on the subject of healing, because it is God's will to heal, and because it's such a uh, sickness and disease is such an issue in the church that uh, we felt uh, good by the direction of the Holy Spirit to have a service 
dedicated to the topic of healing so that we can increase our faith. Uh, one of the reasons why, not just so that uh, we can remain healed, of course, that's a big reason, but, you know, if you look at the, the, the uh, book of Acts specifically, right, not so much the gospel, but the gospel too, but, of course, Jesus went to the cross and salvation didn't begin until after the cross. But what was one of the methods that they used to, to draw large crowds of people to the church? It was through healing, right? Of course, Jesus did that many times, that uh, he would heal the people and large crowds would gather and then he could teach them. Uh, and he would get their attention by doing it that way. And that's one of the methods that, uh, in fact, the Lord told us in Acts 1.8 that uh, after we are endued with power, supernatural miracle work and power, then we'll be witnesses. Well, you know, if, if we're just, if witnessing is only uh, preaching, we could do the preaching, you know, just with the, the normal power of the Holy Spirit without the, the additional, of, uh, additional aspect of uh, being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know, if it's just talking, well, I know a lot of people can talk just fine, amen? Uh, and so, no, he wanted to grant us power, supernatural miracle working power that would aid in preaching. And of course, we see that great example there in the book of Acts chapter eight, where Philip the evangelist was out and it says they gave heed to the things which he said, seeing the miracles that he did. Yeah. And so <clears throat> uh, we're, we're thankful that the Lord has given us that ability. And of course, it's all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. And so uh, we were, uh, last week we were talking about, um, and you just have to follow along because it's hard to say, well, we are in chapter one, chapter two. There are no chapters, right? There's divisions and then there's reasons and there's sub-reasons and subheadings. So You'll just have to follow along as best you can, you know, mark, mark in your book where we're at because we'll continue in that area. So he was, uh, we were talking about the phrase that this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ear and how that some people said that since he said that, that it was done and, and didn't continue past that. And how we showed last week that uh, oftentimes, not every single time, but when he said that, it, he would, it didn't mean that it, it began and came to an end when he made that statement. Oftentimes it means it begins now, you know, that this is going, something that's going to happen, but it didn't start until this moment in time. Uh, and so, and healing is one of those things uh, in the sense that Jesus came to bring healing power into the earth for all the church to experience. And it began at that time. It didn't end at that time. It, it began when he said that, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ear. Uh, because in the, in the context of Luke chapter 4, when he gave the list of things he was going to do, He's still preaching the gospel to the poor, isn't he? Uh, if uh, if, if uh, preaching the gospel to the poor is continuing today, then when he said this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ear, then, then that's what he meant, that it, it's fulfilled in a sense that the gospel wasn't being preached to the poor until Jesus appeared on the earth, and that's when it began. It didn't end then, that's when it began. If it began and ended at the same point in time, it seems kind of odd that he would even... Uh, make a big deal of prophesying it hundreds of years ago if it was only going to last for a few moments of time. No, it was intended to begin that operation in the church to begin the preaching of the gospel to the poor. And then also, if, it was, if that's the case, then also the recovering of sight to the blind and deliverance of captives um, and uh, sending at liberty the bruised. So none of those things came to an end, which would include uh, healing or giving sight to the blind. <clears throat> and... Uh, was he only speaking about blind people so nobody else can be healed of any, any sickness and disease? No, it's just an example of the things that he's going to do in the area of recovering of any kind of sickness and disease. Uh, and so, 
So we know that that phrase, this day is this scripture fulfilled, uh, just indicates the beginning of something and not uh, the end of something. Uh, and so, but you'll hear people will, will take that because oftentimes people are looking, uh, they're, not, they're not approaching the word of God with an open heart. They're approaching the word of God with a preconceived notion of what they think God wants to do today. And so they'll take a scripture like that, that this day is this, is, is this scripture fulfilled in your ear and, and act like there's nothing else in the word of God, that the Bible has never said that phrase anywhere else or that it has no other meaning in any other context because if you take it out of context, it supports their idea that God has, has brought to an end these types of things. And dishonest students of the word of God will do that on a regular basis. They'll pull out a phrase, sometimes a whole verse, and say, see, this verse says that God has stopped doing supernatural things. And they're not honest uh, students at all. Uh, in fact, they're dishonest. They're trying to mislead you uh, to line up with their doubt and unbelief. So they go to the Word of God with a preconceived notion that God doesn't heal. And so let's find scriptures or parts of scriptures that back up that statement of unbelief. And you can find any. I mean, you know, the Bible says one, one uh, thing that uh, um, uh, one scripture says, go thou and do likewise. Well, then you can say that about anything, right? That they brought Jesus an apple pie. Well, go thou and do likewise, right? I mean, you know, you could, uh, they didn't say anything about apple pie, but, uh, you know, you could, you could use that phrase, go thou and do likewise, to support any idea that you want. Uh, and so, you know, you could say, that, uh, make the scriptures say anything you want them to. Uh, and our job is to be honest students of the word of God, not go with a preconceived idea, ask the question, Lord, did, did you intend for us to have healing available to us today? That's an honest question. And then you search the scripture to find out what the answer to that question is. Instead of, going, instead of starting with, Lord, you don't heal today, let me find scriptures that also repeat that idea. And yeah, you could find that, amen? And so uh, we don't want to be dishonest students of the word. We, don't, we want to be honest students of the word of God. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, not only when G, did Jesus say that about uh, this day, is the scripture fulfilled in your ear, then he also gave us some other promises. So let's turn over to John chapter 14. Uh, and these other promises kind of go in line with Jesus wants us to continue healing today. Amen. Uh, and so he said here in John chapter 14, uh, in verse 12, and this is one of the most amazing uh, verses, I think, in, in the whole New Testament. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Uh, and of course, then he goes on and talks about prayer after that. But just verse 12 in itself, the works that I do shall he do also. So did he say the works of preaching that I do shall he do also? The works of feeding the poor only uh, that I do shall he do also? No, it's the works that he do. Well, what works did Jesus do? He did all the above. Amen. He fed the 5,000. He walked on the water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Jesus said the works that I do shall you do also. And so if you just leave it at that, well, we've got a long way to go, don't we, to catch up to Jesus. I mean, he did all of those things. When was the last person raised from the dead that, that you know of? I, uh, uh, I don't know of anybody uh, personally that's happened to, although I've, I've heard and read many testimonies of such. Uh, and then he said, but he didn't limit it to that. He said, greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. And, and I hear some people even say that, well, when he meant greater, he just meant greater in number. And, and, and although I believe that's true because he, he was limited only to the physical location of, of wherever he was, 
then for sure uh, the quantity that, that should be done in the church should be greater than Jesus because how many more of us are there than Jesus? Well, there's a billion Christians in the earth, so we should be doing a billion times more miracles than Jesus did at any given time because he could only do one miracle at a time. He couldn't do 20 miracles at a time for 20 different people because he could only be at one place at one time. So, yes, it, it is true and reasonable to say that we would do greater in quantity. And also some people make the, make the comment, I've made this comment before, that one of the greater miracles that we can do that Jesus could not do is, is save the lost. Amen? Because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, so nobody could get saved. Well, is that a work that, that's greater than any work that Jesus did? It's greater than all the works that Jesus did in one sense because nobody was born again under the ministry of Jesus until after the cross. So, I mean, that, that's fair and true, but, you know, in the context of what he's talking about, he's not talking about those things like that. He's talking about the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that he did, the works that he did, uh, which were spectacular works of supernatural power. Uh, we should be able to do greater than that. Well, what, what works are greater than Jesus? Well, there's a lot of things that, Je that we don't have record of Jesus doing. Uh, for, I mean, for example, was anybody that was missing an arm or a leg ever, ever healed uh, under the ministry of Jesus that grew an arm and a leg out? No, not that any, anybody I know. I know some people have found some, some Greek words that maybe imply that there were some uh, limbs missing, but it was never uh, as uh, direct as we see for the blind being healed and the, and the lepers being cleansed. Uh, and so we don't have any direct record of, of those types of things. Well, is that a greater work? I mean, that's a pretty big work, amen? And of course, uh, if, we, if you remember in the stories of Azusa Street from 1906 uh, over in, Cal in Los Angeles area in California, there were some of those stories where people were either missing an entire arm or that it was arm was, was, uh, 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 had stopped growing much too early uh, and was just basically an appendage, not a whole arm. Uh, and they would pray for those people. And right there in, in the middle of all the folks, uh, a, a, a supernatural sign and a wonder occurred where their arm would grow all the way out. Uh, and so that's a pretty big work, amen? So there are things that uh, we see uh, that uh, even in our, uh, that's in fairly modern time, right? A uh, hundred years ago or so, where that's really kind of a greater work. And there are things that you, we can't even imagine that, uh, that uh, go on today that are greater than some of the works that Jesus did, some of the cancers that uh, people have, and they're completely gone. I don't know of any, any particular example of Jesus healing a, a cancerous tumor of any kind. Uh, we see a lot of leprosy because that was prevalent back in the day. Uh, there are some diseases that exist today that didn't exist in the time of Jesus. AIDS, for example, right? COVID-19, uh, for example, uh, you know, things like that that didn't exist uh, that could be a greater work than Jesus. And so we've got to be careful of, about limiting that, you know, uh, from my reading of that, I don't want to put any limit on God, Amen. And I've even heard some people say that we should never do anything that's not already an example for us in the Word of God uh, because if it's not contained in the Word, then we shouldn't be doing that. And I find that odd because uh, who was the first one to part the Red Sea? Moses. What if Moses had that concept that if, if he didn't uh, see something written in the Word of God prior to him doing something, he wouldn't do it? Well, I mean, uh, of course, he wrote the Bible, so, you know, it's kind of easy for him. But uh, what about Joshua causing the sun to stop for 24 hours? Had anybody ever done that? No. And so what if he'd said, well, Moses wrote the first five books of the, uh, of the Bible. We don't see any record of that uh, spe specific miracle occurring, so we can't do that. 
what about, uh, I mean, even remember the leper, what they said uh, in, in um, uh, <clears throat> Jesus said about the lepers in the Gospels, that nobody, uh, had, no Israelite had ever been cleansed of leprosy other than, of course, Naaman the Syrian, which wasn't a leper. So even though they had laws in the uh, Old Testament books, especially in the book of Leviticus, chapter uh, 14, about the cleansing of the leper, if Jesus had uh, had that mentality, then he wouldn't have done that. Uh, you know, and so you can go through any, any particular miracle that we see where somebody did it first. So we can't have this mindset of, of, well, we can't be the first one to do this miracle in today's modern time because there's no evidence of that in the Bible. No, that, uh, any miracle that's done, as long as it's giving glory to God, well, then we should be fine with it. Amen? Uh, there should be uh, no hindrance to anything that brings glory to God. Uh, and so leave, leave it wide open, amen? If you're trying to obtain glory to yourself, well, that's not a very good idea anyway. Uh, and so, uh, no, if the, if the Lord moves upon us to do some spectacular miracle, then uh, as long as he's getting the glory, then, then let him do that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so when he said greater works, when I read that, it, it's just wide open, right? There's no limit to what could be done in the church today. And our job is to prepare our hearts and minds to allow the Lord to, to use us in that way. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, we can do the same works because uh, how did Jesus do the works that he did do? What did he say? I can't of mine own self do what? Do nothing, right? So he said he could of his own self do nothing. Who was doing the things that he did? It was specifically the, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it was, of course, the Father of God in heaven oversees everything. But, uh, but it was the Spirit of God on him that did those things. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 4, he, he received the Holy Spirit. Remember in the, in the, in the River Jordan in, uh, when John prayed for him? So the Spirit of God came upon him. Well, uh, how old was Jesus when that occurred? He was about 30 years old when he was uh, uh, in the River Jordan, and he picked 30 years old primarily uh, for some, uh, to fulfill some Old Testament uh, scriptures. Uh, but before that, when Jesus was 29 years old, how many records of miracles do we, do we have of Jesus? None. Well, when he was 18 years old, well, about 12 years old. Remember, we had a story when he was 12 years old when he was at the temple. He was teaching, and they, and they were marveling at, at his knowledge of the Word of God, uh, how many miracles did he do when he was 12 years old at the temple? None. Well, well why, why, why is there no record of him doing miracles? Because he didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not anointed at that time yet to do the miracles. He was called of God. He was God, of course. Uh, and he was in preparation for that time. But remember in, in Philippians chapter 2, it says he laid, it, laid all that aside. So he didn't come to the earth as... Uh, God, the, uh, God, he came to the earth as a man born of a woman uh, in, the, in the image and likeness of man. Uh, and so he laid aside his deity. He was still deity, but he chose to not operate uh, as deity in the earth. He chose to operate as a man anointed of God. And that's why if you look through the scriptures and how often he, he referenced himself, uh, more often than not, in fact, uh, way more, about 80 times to about three, he referenced himself as the son of man. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so he did that because he wanted to emphasize that he was a man like you and I are men. Uh, 
uh, and that he does the things that he does by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so Jesus did the things uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He laid aside his deity and chose to operate as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. And, and in doing so, he left us an, an example that are we, not just, are we not also men, right? Men in the sense of mankind. Are we not also men on the earth? Then do we have access to the Holy Spirit? Uh, we do have access to the Holy Spirit. In fact, he commanded us, don't do anything until you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, how, I don't know how the church outside the Pentecostal church gets around Acts 1-8 when Jesus said, don't do anything until you're endued with power from on high. And he went and he said, power... He meant supernatural miracle work of power. He didn't mean, you know, like authority because that word power there in Acts 1-8 is dunamis. In Acts 1-7, uh, he said, uh, talking about the Father, that the Father has allowed this uh, power to remain in him or the authority of when Jesus comes back to reign with him. But in Acts 1-8, uh, he said, you'll be endued with power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that power there is supernatural miracle work of power. And we see when that occurred was in Acts 2-4 when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. And the Bible says that, that, that they all spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know how the church gets around those verses. You know, uh, even, even if you don't go to a Pentecostal church, if you're reading that, you'd be like, well, it seems like there's something here. Right? It seems like there's, Jesus, as the head of the church, commanded us to not do anything, go anywhere until we have power. So when they received that power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2-4, then was that a different Holy Spirit than Jesus had? Is there like a Holy Spirit for Jesus and a different Holy Spirit for mankind? It's the same Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and if you, you know, as you study the scriptures, one thing you, you start to come to the conclusion to, you see that, you know, God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and so, and we know that. But what you see is that they typically will, will carry certain aspects of authority with them, and that's their job. So we see that God the Father, he has the overall plan. It's always his plan, right? Everything is in the heart of the Father, about the creation, about mankind, about everything. It's always his plan, his desire, right? For God so loved the world, the Father so loved the world, that he sent what? His only son. So we see that it's always the Father's idea for everything. And then, then Jesus is the administrator. He'll go and send forth Jesus. Now you go down to the earth and you go fix the earth. You go fix sin, you go fix redemption, you go do these things. Uh, and then... Uh, along with that, then Jesus would be the commander-in-chief, the, the general, the head of the church, as he goes out and executes things, and he executes that with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says that all things were created by him, by Jesus. And so when Jesus, he decided which planets to make, where to make them, what color to make them, how big to make them, uh, what location in, in all of the universe to make them, and then he said, okay, Holy Spirit, uh, that's the Father's will to do these things. Here's how we're going to do it. Now you go do it with your power. And so it's, it always seems like it's those three uh, elements of that. Could they, could they move and change? You know, I suppose they could, but it seems to be pretty consistent throughout the Word of God from the Old, Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. That it's always God the Father's got the overall plan. Jesus is the general administrator, uh, uh, implementer of everything, and he does it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He did that when he came to the earth even, uh, and he laid aside uh, his uh, Godhead uh, to, to operate in this manner. And so he stepped below his position as being God and deity and chose to limit himself to man. And he did that for a, a many reasons. And I think the biggest reason is as an example to us. 
if I operated like this, then you can operate like this. And if, and if we can operate like that, then our job is to obtain the faith and to grow our faith to operate in the same way that Jesus operated so that we can complete the, not only the works that he did, but also greater works than he did. Uh, and that's, that's his plan. That's his desire. That's what he spoke out in, in John 14, 12. If that's what he said, then that should be our goal. Lord, I'm, I'm here wherever here is. And it looks like you want us, want us as a church to be way over here and doing these great and mighty things. So, Lord, how do we get from here to there? And the way we get from here to there is to increase our faith and, and to allow that to be true. Uh, and, and, of course, so that's in, in John uh, 14. Let's turn back to uh, Mark chapter 16. And so we call Mark chapter 16, we call it the Great Commission, but it's really... Um, uh, it's just the words of Jesus here, right? And so he said here, let's start in verse 15. He said, uh, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so uh, is it okay for us to go into all the world? It is, right? I told you one time a fellow told me we shouldn't go on mission trips. And, and, and I said, well, that, you know, that just really was an odd statement. Well, why shouldn't we go on mission trips? He said, it's too expensive to go. And so, is that what Jesus said in, in Mark 16, 15? Go ye into all the world unless the price of plane tickets is too high. Is that what it says? Is that what your, what translation have you got if it says that, right? I mean, I want to know. Because it doesn't say it in mine, right? Maybe you got the newfangled uh, translation or something. Uh, well, no, it doesn't say that. And so, uh, is, that, is that a valid excuse? When we stand before heaven... And he asked us, did you do what I told you to do to go into all the world to preach the gospel? Well, Lord, I wanted to, but I checked the price of plane tickets. And, you know, gas prices are really high right now. And that means plane tickets are really high. So I thought it was better to not spend that money on plane tickets. Instead, I, I bought a, a new flat screen TV because, you know, I got a special deal on that instead of going to all the world. Uh, and so it, you think the Lord Jesus would go, well, okay, since you got a special deal on a flat screen TV, then... We'll let you buy not doing what I told you to do. No, I don't. Is there any wiggle room in that? No. Uh, and so uh, now I understand, you know, uh, everybody's not going and some people don't always go. Uh, and, you know, that, that's between you and the Lord Jesus. But you can't make an excuse of why you're not going, right? I'm tired. You know, I don't feel like going. You know, it scares me. I can't fly in airplanes. I'm scared of the food, scared of the clothes, scared of the beds I'm going to sleep in over there. I mean, I mean, whatever, right? And so, but he said, go, go everywhere. Preach the gospel. Now, it's interesting because uh, he tells them this prior to the book of Acts. So this is before Acts chapter 1. This is before Acts chapter 2. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, where was the church in Acts chapter 1? They were in Jerusalem, right? Where was the church in Acts chapter 2? They were still in Jerusalem. What about chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8? Still in Jerusalem, bunch of sluggards, right? I mean, it just, he said going to all the world, and it's like, did you really mean all the world? You mean, or you mean just like, because he said in Acts 1-8, after you do the power, then you'll be witnessing to me in Jerusalem, right? Which is where they were, in Judea, which is the region there, in Samaria, and under the, uh, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and I don't know what the church was thinking. It's like, what, did you really mean everything? That kind of it's a long way, right? I mean, have you checked the price of, of, a, of a sail ship uh, in, in the year 50 AD? It's kind of high, right? I mean, tickets on a, on a sailing ship would be pretty high back then. Uh, well, you know, the church often is slow at doing what the Lord has asked us to do. Amen? 
oftentimes we, and so it was really, it wasn't until Acts 8-1 where there was great persecution and the persecution scattered them abroad. And so it was, they didn't even go because they wanted to, they go because they were forced out of Jerusalem. Uh, and so it's really uh, disappointing that it took them eight chapters. You know, they say that uh, uh, every chapter in the book of Acts is maybe a year or so in length. I'm not sure if that's very accurate, but it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a period of time that occurred. It was several years after Jesus passed and, and several years after he made this statement to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so sometimes uh, people are just, uh, they're just slow, right? They just don't want to do what the Lord wants to do. They're comfortable with what they're doing and, and, and feel like if God's moving, then, then they don't have to do anything else. Uh, and, and so you have to be careful about uh, measuring your, your uh, faithfulness with things you can see in the natural realm. Well, if everybody's coming to church, then we must be doing everything perfectly right. That's not the measure, amen? The measure is what the Spirit of God wants you to do. To do. And he said, when you do that, when you go into all the world and preach the gospel, then he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not uh, shall be damned. Notice he doesn't say, but he that believeth not or is not baptized shall be damned. Amen? A lot of people, you gotta be, because it says you gotta be, you gotta be, believe, you gotta believe and baptized in verse 16 to be saved. Well, he does say that, but he also clarifies that in, in the end of verse 16, he that believeth not shall be damned. So what if you're, uh, what if you're baptized, but you don't believe? Too bad, right? What if you do believe and weren't baptized? Well, according to, to verse 16, the end of verse 16, you'd still make it, amen? Should you be baptized? 100% you should be baptized. Is it a requirement for heaven? Not a requirement for heaven, amen? Uh, small wars are fought in that, and it says it right there, plain as day in verse 16, that salvation, uh, that, 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 uh, salvation is not dependent on, on how wet you are, amen? Uh, and so, and he said, these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. I ain't never had anything like this happen in my life. Well, you just told off in yourself, right? Because he just said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall what? Cast out devils. So do, does the church have the legal authority to cast out devils? We do. What name do we use to cast out devils? It's the name of Jesus, right? In my name they shall cast out devils. So our authority is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. How many different ways have you seen people try to cast out devils? I've seen lots of ways for people. I've seen them uh, take a Bible and put it on people. Well, I'm going to put the latest Bible on you and the devil's going to go. Uh, well, there's nothing in the Bible that says lay a Bible on somebody and the devil will leave. Amen. Uh, he said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Uh, and so uh, what about holy water? I'll sprinkle holy water. I don't even know what holy water is. I mean, is there such a thing as holy water? Uh, you know, I mean, people say there is such a thing, but is there a biblical such a thing as holy water? There's no such thing. It's just the same uh, same atoms of hydrogen and oxygen as it is anywhere else in the world, amen? There's nothing special uh, about water, amen? Uh, same thing with, uh, uh, with anointing oil. He doesn't mention anointing oil in here, but anointing oil is just oil, right? It, it doesn't have to be special, uh, special made oil uh, from you know, the shores of, of, uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, it's just oil, amen? Uh, it's, not, it's not the specifics that matter, it's what's the faith behind it that matters, amen? But oftentimes we'll say it's going to be, and I think our, our anointing oil that we have here is from Jerusalem, I think, maybe, um, or somewhere in Israel. 
it doesn't make it any more powerful. It's kind of cool, but it doesn't make it any more powerful, right? I don't know that coolness factor really assists to get you healed, but it is cool, right? Uh, and so we don't put any, any, any faith merit in the location or the, the origin of the, the anointing oil, but, uh, uh, you know, you can use whatever you want to, right? I mean, if you want to use Crisco oil, I suppose it works if you had enough faith, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And some people say, well, well, there's no more devils to cast out. You mean we got done? We're done with casting out devils? Have we cast out all the devils there are? I mean, as long as people being born in the earth, there's going to be new devils getting in, into new people. Uh, and so I don't know why, that, uh, why that's a thing, right? They shall speak with new tongues. Well, right there it is, right? And, of course, what people will say, well, you know, Mark 16 uh, verses, uh, uh, it's like 9 through 20. You know, that's not found in every manuscript. And so we just ignore all of those verses uh, and, of course, that, that's really a weak-minded uh, excuse because it, it's in plenty of scripture uh, uh, manuscripts from the Greek, the original Greek, to, uh, uh, to believe that it's supposed to be there. Amen. And I'm, I have great confidence that what the Lord put before us here uh, is plenty sufficient to get the job done, and we don't have to be looking for reasons to not believe in the supernatural. Amen. And people will do that. They'll pick out certain verses and say, well, this wasn't a rent. You know, and the best manuscripts, this wasn't found, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but again, they're, what are they trying to do? Do away with the supernatural. Anytime somebody's trying to do away with the supernatural, be suspicious of their, of their motivation. Uh, and so, but he said, that shall speak with new tongues. Well, is he talking about learning French or Spanish or second language? About learning hillbilly? No, it, it's specifically talking about praying with other tongues, amen, as Acts 2.4 says. Uh, it's not hard to, you know, if you say, make it say anything else, that's not what it means. Uh, and yet people will twist and turn, and yet it's clearly evident from reading the, the book of Acts what he's meaning by this, amen. Uh, this is not hard to understand, but people look to the, look to the scriptures and they see things they don't like, and so they will, they will go to move heaven and earth to try to do away with that supernatural. The simple reading of the word of God is that they will speak with new tongues in the sense of being baptized of the Holy Spirit and speak with new tongues. Now, what's it say? Who will do that? Uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't pray in other tongues. I've tried and tried and tried. I can't get it. These signs shall follow them that what? Believe. believe. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that try. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. And now I understand, you know, it's uh, for me, I think I've told you my, my testimony in this. When I first got saved, I didn't know anything about anything. I mean, I literally knew nothing about the word of God at all. Uh, I knew the general understanding that Jesus was, did something. I didn't really know what he did. He, he died on the cross because, you know, you watch Ben-Hur or, you know, you, you see, you know, you see, uh, was it Ben-Hur or was it... Uh, or the robe, I think it was the robe where, where it was the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, any, you see any of some of these old Charlton Heston kind of movies, right? And so there's something happened, right? Jesus went on the cross, we don't really know why. And why is he naked? I don't know. You know, it's really uncomfortable to watch that. But, uh, and so, uh, so you, you have a couple of ideas, but you don't know anything about much of anything. And I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit, never really even knew the Holy Spirit, never understood that. And I got saved into a Pentecostal church and they started about talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. Well, that you might as well just talk to me about some, you know, uh, nuclear science or I mean, it was just a foreign language. Speak to me in, in a different language because I didn't know what you're talking about. And it took me a while to even understand 
that that was a thing, that being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I'd been saved for uh, maybe about six months before I started going to that church. Uh, and so, you know, that's new information. So uh, it, I was a little slow. And, and you know, for me, that's, uh, I tend to plod along with things from the standpoint of uh, I need to have a, a scriptural basis for something before I can believe it. Some people, they can just walk by a Pentecostal church and it'll jump on them and they'll start speaking in tongues. I'm just not that way, right? Some people, they're, they're super easy to, to believe God about anything. And, and, you know, I think that's perfectly fine. I'm just not that way. I wasn't made that way. I didn't, I didn't come out of the room that way. Uh, just uh, I, need, I, I need more information. So I went about studying. Well, what does this mean? What does it look like? What color is it? How loud is it? I don't know these things. Uh, but I was reading about it and studying about it and meditating on it. Uh, you know, I, was, I, was, uh, I got uh, uh, born again when I was 15 years old. Uh, and so they, uh, going to this Pentecostal church, uh, well, you need to speak with other tongues. Okay, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, what are you talking about? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that mean? Right? You think about, you know, we all know what it means because we've been around a church long enough, but you think about taking somebody just straight off the street who's never even been in a church before. I've been in one church one time before, the, before I got saved, uh, and, and, uh, and then you, you dump this on me. Well, you know, that's a pretty big thing, a pretty big leap uh, for some people, and it was a big leap for me. So it took me a while to do that. Uh, I had people, well, no, you, shut up. You need to be prayed for it and receive the Holy Spirit anyway. And they'd slap their hands on me. Speak with tongues now. What, what, what do you mean? How do you, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. Uh, and so it was about a year and a half after I was saved. I was actually in a tent meeting. It was actually with uh, John Olstein. Uh, and uh, he had, a, had a, uh, um, an altar call. Anybody wants to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, speak with other tongues, come up here. And I just, okay, well, it, it seemed like it was a good time. You know, and I'd been saved about a year and a half. Seemed like a good time. You know, that was in September of 1981. And so I went down, got prayed for, and I, and I spoke like three words in, in other tongues, you know, and I was pretty impressed. I could say, you know, shundai, shundai. Uh, and and I, man, I hung under those three words. I'd, I'd say those three words, you know, over and over again. And I didn't know what else to do. I mean, that's all you got, that's, you know. Uh, and so uh, and people say, well, did you get it? Well, yeah, I got it. Uh, it uh, and, and I didn't say, no, is this a, is this a scale? Do you grade this on the scale? Because if it's grading on a scale, I was, you know, about a C minus in praying in other tongues. I wasn't, you know, an A student yet. Uh, but I just, you know, it said that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit if I believe. And so, well, I believe. Uh, well, it, it was the October, it was the next month after that, there was a full gospel businessmen's conference in Nashville. And so, uh, you know, this was in 1980. Uh, well, this was 1981, uh, and so I went to this full gospel businessmen's conference. You know, as a, uh, in 81, I was I was 16 years old, so I went there, and um, uh, they had uh, they. I was by myself, right? I'm just a 16 year old kid going to this full gospel businessmen's conference, uh, and uh, and so they had a special guest speaker from from Australia. Uh, that was there, had a really great uh, message on, on the supernatural. And I thought, wow, this is really good. Uh, and he, at the end of it, he said, we're going to, uh, we've prayed for a bunch of people. Uh, if you want to, we're going to continue this in a back room. If you want to come and help and pray for people, then come on to the back room. I thought, well, he let me, he gave me the invitation. So I'm going, you know, I'm just a kid. I'm going, I'm going to go and help pray for people. And so we're in the back room and we're praying for somebody. 
And he said, everybody come over here and pray for this fellow and, and pray in the spirit. And so I went over there and started praying in the spirit. And as soon as I did that, then that uh, praying in the spirit just started flowing out of you. Uh, and, and so after that point, it's always been fluid and, and no issue with that. But it was about a month from the time I was first prayed for until I really felt like it was, it was until uh, uh, I got it, right? I don't know what that means or, or how to explain it other than it was kind of slow before, and, but I kept it, I, you know, I stayed, I stayed with it. I didn't give it up, right? Some people's like, well, I only prayed in tongues once, you know, and, and it, didn't, it didn't sound cool, so I quit doing it. I stayed with it, uh, and then it, it came, and, and so, you know, some people's experience, like with Chris, she got prayed for, for uh, to, to pray with other tongues or speak, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. She got prayed for, and immediately started praying in tongues. You know, there's always somebody like that that's just really annoying, right? That just gets it just like that. There's, there's always one in the crowd, right? Who just gets it immediately, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so that, you know, and that's fine, amen? Just get it. That's the, the point is just get it, amen? He said they, they will speak with new tongues. So, so who in the church should speak with new tongues? Everybody, right? Are we all, are we all believers? We're all believers, so, so how many in the church should speak with new tongues? Everybody, right? Did, did the Lord mean for there to be a 10% of the church to be Pentecostals and 90% not Pentecostals? No, he always intended the whole church to be Christians, and he intended the whole church to be Pentecostal Christians. Amen? It was never supposed to be, be us and them. And yet, uh, warfares are fought, right, about this thing. And they think we're the weird ones. And Jesus is like, man, you ain't the weird ones. They're the weird ones for not believing, right? Uh, the believers should pray in tongues. Uh, and if you're not praying in tongues, then you're not a full believer as, as you think you are. Amen. Now, we're not trying to disparage anybody, and you don't want to disparage people. Will they go to heaven? Well, if they confess Jesus, they're going to heaven. Amen. You don't have to pray in tongues to go to heaven, but you got to pray in tongues to get the power. Amen. Well, I got all the power I need. It's not likely. You know, uh, you, you, uh, not the Word of God, not the way the Word of God laid it out. Jesus said you'll, get, you'll be in due with the power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, not before. Amen. Uh, and, he, and he said, and that power is there to be witnesses to me and of me, to the world. And so all the people that are witnessing to people without the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues are doing it in rebellion to the master, the head of the church. The, I didn't write the word of God. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is. These are the words of Jesus right here. This is the plan of heaven, the plan for the church that we're supposed to operate in this way. In my name, do these things. Amen. And so in my name was not only for casting out devils, in my name is for all of these things. In my name we shall speak with new tongues. In my name they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And in my name they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So in all of these things, uh, when we lay hands on the sick, all, uh, all of these things that he lists here are, are statements and really aspects of authority that he's given to the church. Uh, and so if he's given these things to us, do we need to ask heaven for any of these things in a sense of, Lord, is it, is it okay if I lay hands on the sick? No, because he's already told us to do these things. So what's, what's, what's one thing that's not covered in this commission? Raising the dead, right? Does he say, in my name they shall raise the dead? No, so in raising the dead then, uh, has the church ever raised anybody from the dead? Surely we have, right? But in raising the dead, see, that's not covered in the Great Commission. It's not covered in the general faith of the Great Commission. So even though God has the power to raise the dead, if there's somebody that has died, you don't have the general faith and, and the authority to do that because he doesn't give it to the church. He said, here's what I want you to accomplish. And you can add Acts 1-8 to that as well. But here's what I want you to accomplish. Here's the power I'm going to give you to accomplish this. 
And you can do any of these things right now without asking me in heaven because I've already told you to do these things. So if somebody comes up and says, hey, this, I've got the sickness, would you lay hands on me and pray? You don't have, well, let me go pray about it first. You don't have to go pray about it because Jesus already told you to do it. Amen. So you can, in fact, you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, you told me to do this. And so by, by your uh, request or by your command, I am doing this uh, with your authority because you told me to do this. And so you don't have to pray about it. He's already told you to do that. But if somebody has died and, and uh, you know, somebody says, well can, well, can you raise him from the dead? The answer is, well, I don't know. Let me find out from heaven what he wants to do. Uh, Lord, do you want me to raise that person from the dead? Uh, and it may be, well, no, uh, they've lived a full life and, and, I, and um, it's time for them to come home. And there may be other reasons why. But see, you can't, you can't just go and say, well, I'm going to go raise the dead because I want to. You can't do any of these things because you want to. We only do the things that we do because either the Lord has given us direct authority here in Mark 16 to do them, or we then request from heaven, Lord, do you want me to do this thing? And so raising the dead is a good example because we don't have any direct authority given to us by the head of the church to raise the dead. So in that case, we have to go to heaven and find out his will in that moment. Uh, and, and if he says do it, then he will also grant us the power to do that one thing. And that would where we get into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, and specifically special faith and working of miracles, we would have to yield to, to those two gifts of the Spirit that he says he gives these things as the Spirit wills. So speaking in tongues, he doesn't give that to us as the Spirit wills. He gives that to the whole church already. But if we're going to go raise from the dead, then in that moment we will get additional power from the Spirit of God to accomplish that task. Uh, and in that sense, you would need to ask heaven first, ask the fa Father in heaven or, uh, if that's what his will is, does he want us to do that? And then uh, you would have to then yield to the move of the Holy Spirit in order to, to have the power to do that. Uh, and so if things are not, and that's the best example because it's, it's a, a big thing not covered in here. And we see that where uh, Peter raised pe people from the dead, uh, Paul raised people from the dead, uh, and so they both did it by the, the, the sudden uh, specific direction of the Holy Spirit in that moment. They didn't do it, well, Lord, you said to go out and raise the dead. He never told the church to do that. He told the 12 apostles to do that, <clears throat> and when he sent the 12 out, but, but like in Luke chapter 9, uh, but uh, in, in Matthew chapter 10, but when he sent the 70 out in, in Luke chapter 10, he never told the 70 to go and raise the dead. He told the apostles to go and raise the dead, but he never told the 70 to go and raise the dead. Uh, and so raising the dead uh, was, is something the church can do, but we only can do that by the direction in the moment uh, of the Spirit of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, all of these things, if it's, if it's laying hands on the sick, then they shall recover. Uh, what if they don't recover? It says they'll recover. Well, but if, what, what if they don't recover? Well, you know, it says they'll recover, amen? Now, there are times when, when it, it, sometimes in a moment, and you've got to look at it this way. If you're going to raise the dead, you can't raise the dead unless the Spirit of God gives you the unction to do that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, uh, healing the sick with the laying out of hands, you can do that for anybody, but sometimes the Spirit of God will say, don't lay hands on that person. So he, there may be a restriction in their life that's, that's hindering his ability to minister to them. So you can't turn this into a legalistic th thing that no matter what situation, you always do it. Uh, the way that you need to look at it is, unless I hear from heaven, I'm always going to lay hands on the sick and, and see them recover uh, for the sick. 
but if it's raised in the dead, I'm not doing anything until I hear from heaven. So if you're praying for the sick by the laying on of hands, then sometimes the Spirit of God may say, that person needs to repent before they can get healed, or that person needs something else before they get healed, or that person is so far down in sin that uh, I'll never be able to pray for them, uh, and so they just need to come on home and be with me in that sense. So there are, there are unique situations where the Spirit of God may limit your ability to lay hands on, on the sick, uh, and, and that's really not on God's side, that's on the person's side, amen? Uh, what's God's will every time we lay hands on the sick? Is they, they always recover, amen? Uh, and so that's God's will, but our will sometimes gets in the way and hinders God's will. So uh, all things being equal, if there's nothing going on in that person's life, then you can always lay hands on them and, and, and see them recover, amen? Uh, and you should never have the thought of, well, what if it doesn't work? <clears throat> because that's, that's not... That's not a, a question of faith, amen? The, the way I operate and the way that the, uh, the Word of God instructs us is unless the Spirit of God tells me something other than, uh, than to lay hands on them, then my expectation every single time without exception is when I lay hands on them, they will fully recover. And, and I trust the Lord. There, there has been one time when we went to the hospital to pray for somebody and the Lord said, don't pray for them. Well, okay, then what do you do? You don't pray for them, right? Uh, well, you know, well, 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 why not? Well, I don't know. Who, who knows everything? God knows everything, amen? Is he obligated to tell me anything? He's not obligated to tell me anything. And so what happened? Well, they died, right? And so um, sometimes the Lord will say to not do that. Well, we, he says to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I know, he does say that. But that, that's, uh, as far as he's concerned, on his side, that's his will. But if that person uh, in, the, in the bed, if they did, and well, he did, he did show me, uh, actually, he told me in that particular case why, but I'm, I won't repeat what he said because there was some things that had done in their, in their life and ministry that was an issue that was causing problems in the church and they'd gotten into sin because of that and wouldn't repent, and that's why they were in the situation they were in. And so uh, um, the specifics are, are um, we won't go into the specifics of what they actually did, uh, in that in that situation, uh, but uh, that was on them. That wasn't on the Lord's side, right? That was on them. And legalistic people say, "Well, he said to lay hands on the sick." I know he said that, <clears throat> but mankind uh, doesn't matter. He said, "For God so loved the world, right, uh, that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever shall believe on Him should not perish." Are the people perishing? Well, sure. Well, why? How is that possible? He said that the uh, that He came for the whole world. He did. But men still have a right to choose, amen? Men have a right to choose. When he says, hey, I need you to do this, and they won't do it, and he comes back to them tomorrow, I need you to do this. And, and over years and years, if they just refuse to obey, sometimes he's unable to assist them, amen? And, and of course, that's, if that's the case, then that's between them and the Lord. Now, can they repent? They can repent, right? But, you know, the problem with, with repenting and, and not repenting over time is if you get out on the devil's territory... And if something happens, you get into a coma, well, you can't have any faith and you can't repent then, right? So you're kind of stuck. So a lot of times people make the deal, well, I'll repent at my last breath. What if, you, what if you're not around to, to breathe your last breath? What if you're not mentally able to, to, to breathe your last breath? You know, you run over by a train or something. I mean, uh, I'm not com- confessing anything over anybody, but, you know, people make deals all the time and, and, and then live in sin. Well, if you're living in sin, you've got no promises about tomorrow, amen? Now, if you're living in faith, you got promises for every time. I know people say, well, you just never know. If you're in faith, you, you can know, amen? 
don't, don't, uh, don't uh, shorten your life with your own confession. Well, you just never know. I can tell you exactly when I'll go home, when I'm satisfied and have a long life. Amen? Uh, and so, so don't, make, don't make these deals, uh, uh, you know, that you're going to put off walking with God until the end. And first of all, that's dumb, right? Because if you're walking with the Lord, you can have days of heaven upon the earth. All you got is days of heaven, uh, of days of the flesh on the earth if you're living after your own desires. Uh, amen? Uh, seem like days of heaven on earth would be better than anything we're doing. Uh, and so, so the promise there is, yes, it is there. And uh, from his standpoint, from his will, it's absolute. But the will of man can, can short-circuit uh, the will of God. Amen? Uh, people will die and go to hell every single day outside the will of God. People will die of sickness and disease every day outside the will of God. Amen. People will be harmed and, and abused and, and, uh, and, and go home early from tragedy and disaster entirely outside the will of God. Amen. It is not the will of God for any of those things to happen. And so, uh, and then he continues on in verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. <clears throat> and so, uh, he's got some notes here in his book, and these are actually in the addendum. At the end of the book, he, he added a few more notes, and, and he added these notes for this section here. He said, working with them literally means, I work in conjunction with. So, uh, it's a present tense, uh, continuous uh, action. I work in conjunction with them. So, uh, the Lord is, is working uh, with us uh, in conjunction, he says, uh, uh, with the disciples after the resurrection. So if the Lord was working with the disciples in conjunction with them after the resurrection, then has he stopped working with us today? No, because it says he, the Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following. What are we supposed to preach? The word, amen. Has the word come to an end? If the word hasn't come to an end, then, then we should expect to see signs following whenever the word is preached. Amen? Uh, and, and, and if we're preaching the word of God, then uh, it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them or in conjunction with them. So that should be our expectation, that as we speak the word of God, uh, as we preach the word of God, that the Lord works with us. <clears throat> and that's one thing, you know, what I encourage folks, uh, and I, I've probably said this many times, uh, when you're witnessing somebody, you know, you're, you're talking to them about the Lord Jesus and, um, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever you have an unction to do, right? Sometimes, hey, come to church, or hey, do you know Jesus, or hey, is there something I can pray for you about? You know, it's, it's, there's no uh, prescription about exactly what to say when you're witnessing somebody. You be led by the Spirit of God. But the one thing you do need to be aware of is every time you're, you're witnessing somebody, if you're doing it by the unction, that, hey, I need to speak to this person. Know that the Spirit of God is working with you, right? He said right there, the Lord, they went preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, with them, right? We work for the Lord, but he also works with us. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says that we are laborers together with him. So whenever you're preaching to somebody, not just preaching somebody, but just witnessing somebody, even on the street or at the restaurant or wherever, be aware that, okay, if, if I have the unction to do this, then the Lord is here too. He's working with me. I'm speaking to them in the natural realm. He's speaking to them in the supernatural realm, in the spirit realm. And together, we're going to get this person across the line. 
And so always be aware of the presence of the Spirit of God working with you whenever you're preaching to somebody. And, and just preaching doesn't mean on a pulpit, in a street corner, on a flatbed truck. It, anytime you're witnessing somebody, you're preaching to them, amen, amen with the goal of getting this person uh, into the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, he said, I, the, working with them literally means I work in conjunction with. It's a present tense verb. I am doing this right now. Every time that you're witnessing somebody, the Lord is working in conjunction with you in that moment. Amen? Uh, and so if he was uh, working with them as they preached, then is he not working with us today as we preach? He is. Uh, and, it, well, if that's true, which it's true, I mean, I think any Christian would tell you that the Lord is working with us today, then is he also not confirming the word with signs following? So what's he confirming? The word, amen? Well, is the word going forth today? Is the word of God being preached today? Is it a different word? Same word, right? The gospel, uh, amen? So if it's the same word that we're preaching today that they preached 2,000 years ago, then we should expect the same results. I mean, there should be uh, the, the same two things that happened here with them as they did the work of the Lord should happen to us today. And the two things are that he works with us and signs follow, right? Uh, the, he confirms the word with signs following. And so, and so I like that phrase, he confirms the word. He's saying, see, yes, I am a God of, of, of the supernatural, and I will heal you because I love you. That's the, him confirming the word. So if you're telling the good news, God loves you, he's going to confirm that by doing things, signs and wonders. Amen? Is that what it says? He confirms the word with signs following. Uh, and so, now look, again, don't get hung up. You mean it always has to come after? Well, sometimes it can come before, right? It, it, uh, he's not going to be picky about that, but he's going to confirm the word in people's lives that, yes, I am here to be a blessing to the earth. And so, and again, has verse 20 been in the Bible all this time? It has. Uh, why is this so hard for us to believe that he's going to uh, allow supernatural signs and wonders to occur at the same time that we're preaching the gospel? shouldn't be hard for us to believe that because he literally says this is his plan. This is how he set up the church. This is, he's got, you know, in the Lord's mind, you think about it, he's like, you know, I've got the best way for them to be witnesses. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give them some super intellectual plan like uh, the Roman road or four spiritual laws or, you know, whatever trickery that we come up with, you know, little chiclet uh, pamphlets, right? I, mean, I always liked those because they were kind of cool, right? Kind of, they were kind of uh, dark sometimes, right? It's like they're all burning in hell, right? And so, uh, but uh, anybody remember the chiclet, the little chiclet uh, uh, comic book things, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I don't know about that one there, but, but um, the little chiclet things, right? You know, you, know, I'll, I'll, you remember those? You remember? And so I always loved those, right? Now, these are great. Uh, and of course, you know, that's because I didn't know much, but, um, but, you know, you think, okay, this would be a great witnessing tool, right? You drop in the bathroom, right? Because, you know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, 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 witnessing in the bathrooms. I don't know why, you know, why bathrooms, right? But uh, I guess, uh, I guess, they, I guess everybody's got to go, right? So, uh, but anyway, well, that's not, that wasn't the plan of heaven. The plan of heaven is, let's just add some miracles along with the preaching of the word. That'll get them over the line. That's the plan of heaven. That's a good plan, right? And, and, and humanity goes, mm, we don't like that plan. We're going to come up with, with chiclet uh, uh, comic books, right? Uh, and, and, and trickeries and, and intellectualism and, and out-debate them. And, uh, no, just you know, raise their child from the dead. Everybody wants to listen to you then. Amen? Pray for their sick mama. You know, everybody wants to listen to you then when she gets healed. It doesn't matter what you say. After that, they're going to listen to you. 
and and so Jesus has he's got this he's got it's like it's like a, a stealth witnessing tool that if the church would do his way we'd have complete and total success amen and so I like what he brings out that that uh, when he says that the Lord working with them I work I work in conjunction with them not I I did work or I have worked which is past tense he said I do work in conjunction with them, uh, a present participle, you know, in case you really want to know what the uh, uh, verb tense is there. It's a present tense verb. I work now with them. Amen. Not I did work, not I will work. I do work. So uh, when we're preaching, what, what, what should be our mentality? The Lord is working with me right now. In this moment, the Lord is working with me. Uh, and, and so anytime we're preaching the gospel, anytime we're laying hands on the sick, the Lord is, is with me, working with me right now. Uh, and so we don't have, Lord, please come and, and heal this person. He already said, I'm going to be working with you. Uh, in that moment, I, will, I am with you. Uh, and so that should be our faith. And if that's what it says, then that should be our faith. Amen. And so let's, let's uh, thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that you work in conjunction with us. Not a, it's not past tense, Father, where you stopped it and came to an end. It's a present tense, without, without end. And so it's always present, Father. You are ever-present help in time of need. And so, Father, we thank you that every time we witness, every time we preach, you are working with us. And, Father, you confirm the word uh, with signs following. So if we say that God is good, you will confirm that. So, yes, I am good, watch this. If we say that God heals, you, you will say, yes, the word is so. I confirm that word, and here's healing. If we say that God is good and he will deliver you from demonic powers and afflictions, uh, you will say, yes, I confirm that word. Here is the, the deliverance in their life. And so, Father, as long as we preach your word, you will confirm that word by showing us supernatural signs and wonders. And, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can be a church of deliverance, Father, and to remove the power of God from anybody's, uh, the power of, uh, of the devil from anybody's life. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, I kind of preach myself happy about all that there. And so that's it's good stuff. Amen. And so we're thankful for the Lord. Amen. About these things. And so he'll, he continues on. And again, he, he's just showing that the, the examples from the word of God clearly shows that God has not uh, ended healing at any time in history. And so... We will continue on uh, in, uh, in reading, his, uh, uh, reading his book here. And so uh, I think it's just a, he did a, uh, just a really good job of going through a lot of doubt and unbelief that tried to creep into the church. And, and you know, this war has been going on in the sense of, of faith or, or unbelief as long as there's been people in the church. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm thankful that when I came into the church, I didn't have anything to unlearn. Amen. The thing that's amazing to me is how many Pentecostal people have had to unlearn doubt and unbelief. You think of, of Pentecostal people would be the oh yeah God does, but but so many people and even in the Pentecostal church were taught nearly as much doubt and unbelief as the as the rest of the denominational churches. Well, you know you got to tarry. Well, you know sometimes God can, but He might not. Uh, I mean that's at least that's a little closer than God doesn't, but it's still not much faith though, is it? Amen. Now, you know, Pentecostal church should be the carriers of faith. Amen. We should be out there. You know, God, God is good. He will heal you and deliver you no matter what, what's going on in your life. Amen. Amen. And so 
let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, and so uh, <clears throat> don't forget, we've got um, next Sunday is our church meal. Amen. This Friday night at 7 p.m. is uh, prayer. And, um, um, you know, we might need to just move, plan on moving that, you know, to the week after that. Is any, or the week after that is, is Ladies Fellowship, right? Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, what's, uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll just call an audible if we need to, right? No big deal. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. <clears throat> and so, no big deal, right? It, it's, uh, it's all right. Uh, it's uh, not going to be the end of the world if we end up not being able to do that uh, prayer that night there. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and then October the 13th is Ladies Fellowship on Friday, Friday p.m. at 6 o'clock. Uh, that's uh, about two weeks from today. Uh, and then um, um, there's a uh, sign-up sheet, right, for the, for the church meal back there. So uh, go back there and sign up there and uh, bring whatever you want to bring, right? Is there a theme for this? Italian, Italian food, really? Oh, nice. All right. Very good. Well, all right. Well, be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord, and you're dismissed.